Hey guys, welcome back to my channel. Honestly, this week I was going to do like Tommy Lucchese or Joe Gallo, but I figured since I did Frank Halley last time, I would stay on that street, do a newer guy, then go back to the uh, old school OG, triple OGs like before. Sorry I haven't posted in a while. I'm gonna try to post a lot more often, uh, but it, it just happens sometimes. So today we're gonna talk about someone who is unlike almost any other mafia member in the history of the American mob, actually famous because of his wife. I mean, he's a gangster in his own right, but most of his fame came from a show that his wife did, and honestly, the only reason that I or probably many people know who he is and the reason I'm doing this episode because I absolutely love his wife. Lee D'Avanzo was born on March 7th, 1969, and is actually a pretty low-level mafia member. He was made famous when his wife, Drita D'Avanzo, became one of the main stars of a VH1 reality TV show called Mob Wives. D'Avanzo's parents were Louis and Lois. Louis is L-E-W-I-S, Lois is L-O-I-S. D'Avanzo. His father was a mafia member and he was a car thief and a loan shark and he was killed in 1977 when D'Avanzo was only seven years old after he tried to run an FBI agent over with his car. Which is super sad because D'Avanzo was really young. The FBI agent was attempting to arrest him for a warrant stemming from the transport of hundreds hundreds of stolen luxury cars. The FBI was going after him for the luxury cars, and they also suspected that he was a loan shark, a car thief, a document forger, and a murderer. He struggled in school and changed high schools a bunch of times because of his behavioral issues, but he did graduate, and he even went to college. D'Avanzo is a second cousin to Rudolph Giuliani. He was the former mayor of New York. There's rumors, none of them have ever been substantiated, but there is rumors that D'Avanzo's father and Giuliani's father, Harold, had a shootout on the streets of Brooklyn over a loan sharking dispute. Giuliani is pretty well known in New York for being the person that came up with the RICO Act. He took down John Gotti and a lot of other pretty big mafia members with the RICO Act. And I mean, Giuliani, you know, he's, he's a pretty big name. So if that did happen, that's wild. Anyway. D'Avanzo is second cousin to him, so they are in the same family. So you got D'Avanzo, who is a mobster, and Giuliani, who does everything in his power to take down mobsters. So I doubt they have very close relations. D'Avanzo is assumed to be an associate of the Bonanno family, but it's a little unclear exactly which family he's associated with. Because even Drita's bio page on her website for Mob Wives says that federal prosecutors allege that he is the leader of the Bonanno and Colombo crime family farm teams. So it doesn't seem like they are willing to disclose that information. So I don't know if we'll ever know, but I think it's closer to Bonanno, but fuck do I know. I do know that he's the boss of the New Springfield Boys, a gang on Staten Island, and again, that could be under the Bananos, that could be under the Columbos. I'm not really 100% sure, so I don't want to say wrong, but either way, the New Springfield Boys is a gang that is under one of these crime families, somewhere in the New York Mafia. In 1992, D'Avanzo, along with Chris Pacciello, 
stole a U-Haul truck after a friend of theirs saw some men putting a bunch of weed into the truck. They followed the truck to New Jersey, broke in, stole it, and brought it back to Staten Island. There was a ton, a ton of weed in the truck, and it was a huge score for them. In 2000, Lee Diavanzo married Drita Salmani, an Albanian immigrant who grew up in Staten Island. That same year, they had their first daughter, Aaliyah Diavanzo. Chris Pacciello was a member of the New Springfield Boys. He was associated with the Colombo family and the Gambino family, and he actually ended up flipping and ratting out a bunch of mafia members in 2001. Diavanzo robbed a bunch of banks with Pacciello, and in one of them, a member of their group strapped a fake bomb to his chest and demanded money. That particular heist netted them $300,000. Pacciello was the cowardly type. He was always choosing to be the getaway driver, always making sure that he was in a position where, you know, he was technically involved in the heist, but never really having to put his neck on the line. The relationship between Pacciello and the new Springfield boys didn't really last long. By 1997, Danny Costanza, a member of the gang, had reached out to Anthony Graziano, who was a Bonanno captain, and he asked permission to kill Pacciello. Graziano is actually the father of Rene Graziano, and Rene Graziano is another member of the Mob Wives cast, and he actually said no, that he couldn't kill him. Not the smartest move, Papa Graziano. Anthony Graziano eventually made it all the way up to Consigliere of the Bonanno family, he did end up doing a serious amount of time to get there, but he finally made it by 2002. He did five years, and he was fined $250,000 for tax evasion in 1990, which is just the way that they took down a whole lot of mafia members. They took down Al Capone the same way, so it's not that crazy that he went to jail for that. So after two dudes from the Colombo family came into a topless bar that he owned and he shot the place up, he put a head out on them. The Colombo family got got to him in time and they worked out a deal so the dudes ended up living and they didn't actually get harmed but Graziano still caught a murder conspiracy for ordering the hit in the first place. In 2002 it was racketeering and he caught those charges in three different states and it was the same story in 2012. He, Bernie Madoff, $11.7 million out of customers in Arizona. If you don't know who Bernie Madoff is, there's a homework assignment for you. He's not mafia, but holy crap did he screw over a lot of people. Pacciello gave the feds info on a weed business that Graziano was running out of Florida. Graziano was convicted of drug distribution, which was pretty much just marijuana trafficking. In August of 2011, when Graziano was fighting one set of charges, he pled for mercy because he had already survived two episodes of bladder cancer, and he was actually released. They gave it to him. He died on May 25th, 2019. He had no arrests after the 2011 plea to the New York courts. So, and he said he wasn't going to do it again, and he was serious. Anyway, the point is, dude was super important. He was super high up in the Bonanno family, and Pacciello had a pretty big hand in putting him in jail a few of those times when he turned government witness. Pacciello told the FBI about how he met Diavanzo when his family moved to Staten Island from Brooklyn. He described Lee as being the boss of a ragtag group of wannabe wise guys, even though he was a member of the gang himself. Like, what a stuck-up little biatch. 
Pacciello also told the FBI that Diavanzo was jealous of his success, and he pretty much spilled everything. He told them about his knowledge of Diavanzo's crimes, including a bank robbery, a shop burglary, breaking into homes of drug dealers, information on his loan sharking operations, and that he had at least $100,000 in cash out on the street at any given time. All in all, Graziano plus 11 members of the new Springfield Boys ended up going to jail for a slew of charges based on Pacciello's testimony. Pacciello actually had a pretty big part in the Donnie Brasco scandal. I'll definitely make a video on him one day. And he probably led to the arrest of more mafia members than Brasco himself. Pacciello ended up opening a new restaurant in 2012 in Miami, and it became pretty successful. He dated Madonna, Sofia Vergara, Jennifer Lopez, and a bunch of other really big-name celebrities. He's currently worth about $5 million. His success is used pretty often in the argument that the mafia doesn't exist anymore, because a mafia snitch would surely be murdered in the heyday of the five families, and if he's allowed to continue flaunting his success and dating all these big-name celebrities, and nothing happens to him, well, the mafia just can't can't exist anymore at all, right? Now, I don't believe that for one second. The Mafia is definitely just as big as it ever has been, but they don't really run around killing everybody out of nowhere anymore, and that's pretty much why they're able to still operate rather than back then when everyone was going to jail for the rest of their lives for murder. So that's probably why he's still alive, because somebody doesn't want to give up the rest of their lives to kill him. Plus, let's be honest here, the world back then was a whole different thing than it is now. Back then, you could actually get away with stuff. There was a possibility that you could get away with murder. Nowadays, it's all but impossible. I've seen it happen. It still happens, obviously. But especially in a place like New York City or Staten Island or any of the boroughs, it would be really, really hard. It's super easy for any authority to find cameras in wherever it happened and follow it back to where they went. And it's just, it's just a lot bigger of a headache nowadays than it was back then. So I don't, I don't really put any weight into the, oh, the mafia can't exist anymore because this dude's alive. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. And as far as I know, nobody ended up going to jail for the rest of their lives. They did a pretty significant amount of time, but as far as I could see, Graziano was the one that caught the biggest of the charges, and he got out. So that probably has a pretty big part in it, too. I would imagine that the outcome would be different if multiple people went away for the rest of their lives. In 2001, the New York Daily News reported about how Lee was in love with Karen Gravano. Karen Gravano is the daughter of Sammy the Bull Gravano. He's the rat that took down John Gotti and half of, probably more than half of the mafia in the 90s. Giovanzo and Gravano dated for around 10 years. And that's kind of awkward since both Drita and Karen ended up as co-stars of Mob Wives many, many years later. It looks like Diavanzo got out of that relationship at exactly the right time. Karen Gravano was arrested in February of 2000 with her father, mother, brother, and boyfriend at the time, who was also the father of her daughter. They all got arrested for an ecstasy ring that they were running in Arizona. In Mob Wives, Karen gets all butthurt and attacks Drita for dating Lee while she was. So if they got married in 2001, you have to assume that the breakup was right around the time of the arrest. Karen Gravano is in Arizona because Sammy the Bull went and ratted everybody out, and then he moved 
to Arizona to be in WITSEC and ended up getting on a radio station and announcing who he was, where he was. It was a whole thing. Somebody got arrested for conspiring to kill him. They they sent someone to do it, but obviously nothing ever came of it because he's still alive today. It is pretty dirty, though, that Diavanzo fell in love with Karen's friend. They, they were together for a while. Karen and Diavanzo, it wasn't just like a fling. They were together for a long time. And whether Karen was with Lee at the time or not, at the end of the day, they were friends and that was Karen's ex of 10 years and it was a it was a recent ex so like that that sucks that was dirty on both of their sides to be fair it could 100% be made up for the reality show for the tabloids whatever I don't think so because we do know that it was put out in 2001 that Divanzo was in love with Karen so it's possible but it's kind of doubtful it looks like that is really what happened so a little bit of a smack in the face to Karen Karen's not my favorite person person in the world, but I am definitely able to see that would destroy me. So I can't hold her anything against her for going after Drita all those years later. I think I would too. Diavanzo pled guilty and he was sentenced to five years in prison. So anyway, Diavanzo and his crew, which included Joseph Fat Joe Gambino, Randy, Randy the Jew Gordon, Ned Bilali, Robert Cadenisi, Francis Costanzo, William Big Billy Fauci, and Edward Shama were also fined $240,000 for stealing that truck that had the weed in it. I don't really know how it works when they were charged with stealing that weed. Like, it's illegal. It's very illegal in New York at the time. How can you charge somebody criminally for stealing an illegal substance? It's not like they got charged with stealing the U-Haul. At least that I can understand, but how do you even know the weed was stolen? Did the criminals who had it in the first place go and report it to the police? Does the money from the $240,000 that they had to pay go towards compensating the guys that were robbed of the illegal substance in the first place? I feel like this is along the lines of like a drug deal gone bad and then the victim going and reporting it to the cops, like an illegal substance getting stuck. Whatever. I have questions, but I doubt I'll ever get answers, so... The world may never know. In 2008, Drita and Lee Diavanzo had their second daughter, Giselle Diavanzo. On May 5th, 2009, Lee went to jail for three years at Groveland Correctional Facility in New York. So he went to jail for three years when his daughter wasn't even a year old, which is pretty sad. He missed a pretty significant part of his daughter growing up. But at least it was only three years. It definitely could have been worse. So it's a little unclear what happens after that. He got out three years later on March 23rd, 2012. But it looks like he may have just gone to a federal prison to finish out his sentence. I'm not really sure. It's a little hazy, but he does eventually get out. So this one's a bit of a doozy. On Thanksgiving Day in 2008, Operation Turkey Shoot unfolded. Apparently, cops were monitoring four guys, one of them being Lee, because they knew that they were responsible for a bunch of the bank robberies that had been pulled off recently, but they couldn't prove it, so they were just watching them. Somehow, I'm guessing from surveillance, it could have been a phone tap, could have been wires placed somewhere, I, I don't know, it's not specified, but somehow they knew exactly 
who, what, when, where, why they were going to pull off their next heist. So they set up surveillance all around the Richmond County Savings Bank on the night before Thanksgiving. At 2.30 in the morning, when the security alarm went off inside the bank, they were ready to catch these guys. Now, I'm sure it's super confusing for the cops because D'Avanzo and a whole crew broke into the building next door to the bank. So the police were watching the bank itself and never saw anybody enter. So when the alarm went off, they were probably like, what the hell? They went down into the basement of the building next door and used high-powered drills, hammers, and saws to break through the wall. The job would have taken hours, but since Thanksgiving was the next day, they thought they'd be fine since the bank wouldn't be open the next day, obviously. By the time the alarm went off, they had made it through a three-inch thick wall of concrete and a layer of rebar. Rebar is pretty much reinforced steel, and since it says a layer of rebar, that must mean that it was the mesh steel that was reinforcing the concrete wall. So they literally broke through steel before the alarm went off. The cops ran up into the bank, guns blazing. They're ready to take these guys down as soon as the alarm goes off, but the guys are nowhere to be found. After scratching their head for a while trying to figure out what the hell happened, they figured out that they must have gone through the neighboring building's basement. By the time they made it to where they were trying to break in, they had gotten a chance to take off. The cops searched for the crew and eventually found them hiding in a crawl space of a nearby building's entrance. I'm guessing it's the dogs that found them because there's no way the cops did. The search was a pretty big deal though. They had two helicopters, they had a bunch of canines, armored trucks, around 100 police officers, so it was an ordeal. The cops said that they poked the ceiling probably where the dogs had alerted that their smell led, and all four men, the cops called them turkeys, crashed down from the ceiling. In the end, Bakim Fisiku, Mislam Rucci, Joseph Cotarello, and Lee Diavanzo were arrested on charges of grand larceny, burglary, criminal mischief, and possession of burglary tools. Diavanzo was already on probation for his prior bank robbery charges, so it wasn't looking great for him at the time. The crew is also suspected of robbing the Howard Beach Queen's Sovereign Bank on Easter Sunday. They got away with a lot of jewelry and about $100,000 in cash. I guess these guys didn't like spending holidays with the family. I mean, they got arrested on Easter and Thanksgiving. I'd be pissed if I was their wives, but you know, whatever. In August of 2020, D'Avanzo was sentenced to 64 months, which is more than five years, in prison for keeping two loaded guns a 9mm and a 38 revolver in their home in Pleasant Plains, Staten Island. The exact crime was being a felon in possession of a gun. The revolver was on top of the kitchen cabinets over the refrigerator, and the 9mm was under the mattress in his bedroom. And that matters a lot because when he was sentenced, the judge was super pissed at him because he kept loaded guns with hollow point bullets in them in the house where his two daughters live. She's quoted saying he has six prior convictions, including two prior federal convictions. He violated supervised release with a burglary offense, breaking into a bank and trying to get into a vault with high-speed drills. She's quoted as saying, he has six prior convictions, including two prior felony convictions. He violated, he violated supervised, he violated supervised release. Okay.
He violated supervised release with a burglary offense, breaking into the bank and trying to get into a vault with high-speed drills. Two prior sentences of approximately 60 months were not sufficient to deter the defendant from serious crimes. The prosecutors actually weren't even going for that much time. They were recommending 37 to 46 months, but the judge was having none of that and upped the time just because she was pissed. So a note to viewers, don't ever have a loaded weapon in a house with kids because that judge is going to come hard for you. After the sentencing, one of D'Avanzo's daughters told the Daily News that the sentence was unfair. It's bullshit. That's what you can put in the papers. Drita declined to make a comment. During the sentencing, Drita had written a letter to the judge to beg for leniency. She described Diavanzo as a family man and an amazing father to their two daughters. During the search of the house, they also seized 120 hydrocodone pills, 22 Xanax pills, and a pound of weed, which was all stored in the kitchen cabinet and was accessible by their 12-year-old daughter at the time. Again, just another thing that really pissed off the judge and led to him getting a harsher sentence. After the search of the house, both Lee and Drita were arrested. They were charged with criminal possession of a controlled substance, criminal possession of a weapon, and acting in a manner injurious to a child. Lee's bail was set at 15000 and Drita's was set at 10000 The charges were dropped against Drita, and Lee built a plea bargain where he would just plead guilty to one count of being a felon in possession of a firearm. Lee was sentenced to 64 months at FCI McKean, a medium security prison in Lewis Run, Pennsylvania. He'll be getting out of jail on July 14, 2024. So there's a few other crimes that I saw that D'Avanzo was charged with in the past. At some point, he was arrested for assaulting a victim with a lug wrench. Another time it was narcotics trafficking, but it's literally impossible to search anything regarding this man because every time you search D'Avanzo, the only thing that comes up is Drita. So I have no idea when those two charges happened, but they did happen. And it wasn't during this last arrest. It had nothing to do with the 64 months that he just got. To be honest, Drita has been a friggin' icon for me for forever. I love that woman. Obviously, I'm fascinated with mafia history and mafia life, so when Mob Wives came out, of course, I jumped all over it. I hated Karen off the bat because she's Sammy the Bull's daughter and she supported the crap out of him. So, I mean, I just hated her right away. I do have to say, though, even though I don't like Karen and I do love Drita, Karen's the right one here. You don't screw your friend's ex, especially her ex of 10 years, and not catch a little flag for it. That doesn't mean that Karen's a good person. That doesn't mean that Drita's a bad person. I'm just saying in their little, you know, feud, I think Karen's right. But it doesn't matter because Drita's amazing and she can't do any wrong. During filming for the show, she was working with high-end makeup companies and she since started her own cosmetic company, Lady Boss by Drita. I know Mob Wives was a reality show and obviously that means exactly the opposite of what you're seeing is true. But just from the way that she talked and acted, I just, I loved her off the bat. She has a very take no prisoners attitude and she has a lack of anything resembling restraint or a filter on her mouth and that's what my inner petty bitch aspires for so and I know that that's not something that you can kind of just pretend to be you know that bitch will throw down at the drop of a hat she did mob wives on VH1 from 2011 to 2016 which is a shame because like yeah it made her famous and it was a great show and all but ugh, 
VH1 is the worst TV channel ever. You want to watch a show that aired on MTV, Freeform, CBS? No problem. All the episodes are available on their page, and as long as you have a TV provider, you can input it and watch the show for free. VH1 doesn't do that. I can't watch Mob Wives anywhere without paying for it first. Yes, I wanted to brush up on it before I came here and talked about a show that I haven't seen in five years, but I refuse to pay for it, so you guys are going to have to settle for my hazy recollections on what happened when I watched it forever ago. There was a spinoff of Mob Wives called Big Ange, and Drita was on that as well. By the way, rest in peace, Big Ange. She was absolutely amazing as well. So sad that she passed away. She told Kevin Undergaro that she's working on a spinoff of her own, and has been on a whole bunch of shows since Mob Wives ended. She did Celebrity Ghost Stories, Watch What Happens Live, and Scared Famous. Here's to hoping that amazing personality makes it to our screens in a more accessible television station so that we can watch her over and over and over again for years to come. So that's the story of Lee D'Avanzo and his very public life within the New York crime family. Thanks so much for watching. I appreciate it. Don't forget to like, follow, share, do all the things. I appreciate it, and I'll see you next time. Bye!